uh, this morning. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 12. The book of John, <coughs> the gospel of John, chapter number 12. And this is a wonderful crowd to be the first, uh, first Sunday morning of a brand new year. Uh, thank you for starting the year off right in church. And hope the message is a blessing as we focus our attention on the Son of God this year. And he ought to be the, the central focus of our vision. Uh, and any vision <clears throat> that we might have as a church that doesn't include the person of the Lord Jesus Christ being right dead in the middle of it uh, would be the wrong vision. And, uh, and so we want to get our thinking started off in that direction this morning. John chapter number 12. Stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse number 20. John chapter 12 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour but for this cause came I unto this hour. Skip down to verse number 30, if you will. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. And now is the judgment of this world. For now shall the prince of this world be cast out. In verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I want you to go back with me very quickly to verse number 21. Bible says, The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And that's the title of the message this morning. Simply this, Sir, we would see Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray you'd help us. will not be long this morning, but a very important truth as we begin a brand new year. Father, in everything that happens to us, may we see Christ. Father, as we look at the road ahead in 2020, may we not look at our own agenda, but may we look at that of the Savior. As we look at our, our trials, our troubles, as we preach this morning to grieving hearts, to those who are troubled in some way, Father, I pray that you'd help us in, as we view and, uh, and have the perspective <coughs> of our troubles, help us to see it through your point of view, through your eyes. And, uh, Father, we sure would like to see Jesus do mighty things among us in 2020, and I pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Very unique story. Let me just uh, give you the setting here. Jesus is just a few days away from being crucified. If you look at the context and read earlier in John chapter 12, you'll find that Jesus has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday. A lot of people refer to it as Palm Sunday, the, the Sunday before the resurrection, which would be the Sunday 
before, just three or four days before Jesus was to be crucified. And of course, it's amazing how fickle people are. The same crowd that was laying palm branches in front of Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, the same people that were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and they were proclaiming him to be the Messiah, and they were uh, uh, adoring him and worshiping him and praising him. Some of those same people just a few days later were part of the angry mob that, were, that appeared in front of Pilate shouting for Jesus to be crucified. It's amazing how, how funny human beings can be at times, isn't it? And I guess we're all like that to some degree or another. But that's, the, that's the, the, the context of this passage. Jesus knows that his hour is just around the corner. He knows that in just a few, a few days, a few hours, he's going to bear the sins of the whole world on Calvary. And in this setting, we find a little bit of a parenthetical story. In, verse number, uh, in, uh, in John chapter 12 and verse number 20, the Bible says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida and of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now keep in mind, these were not Jews. These were Greeks. They were Gentiles. And, uh, and, and they said, look, Philip, we know you're one of Jesus' followers. We see you spending time with him. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. You know, that ought to be our heart's desire this year, to see Jesus. Now, one day we're going to see him in the, the literal sense, in the physical sense. One day we're going to stand before Christ. Those of us who are saved, the Bible says, will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, that could happen this year. You understand that, right? There's nothing that, it, that would prohibit the second coming of Christ. There's nothing on God's timetable of, of prophecy that would hinder the rapture from taking place today or tomorrow or next week, next month, sometime this year. Nothing, would, nothing in, in, in the Bible needs to be fulfilled before Jesus decides to come back in the clouds and take us all to heaven, those of us who are saved. We could see him face to face this year. But in the, in the figurative sense, I want to submit a thought to you this, this morning. Why don't we see Jesus in 2020? Here were some Greeks who came to Philip and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now it's a brand new year. It's uh, 2019. It's history. And whether it was a good year for you or not, <clears throat> it's gone. It's over. You can't recall one day of it. You can't recall one minute of it. You can't recall one hour of it. Whatever happened in 2019, I love with the Apostle Paul how he put it in the, in the book of Philippians. He said, uh, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I heard an illustration uh, just a few days ago about, uh, you know, uh, in, your, in your vehicle, uh, you have uh, a windshield that's this big, and you have a rearview mirror that's this big. <laughs> now, if you really want to, if you really feel adventurous when you leave church today, <clears throat> now, this is rhetorical, okay? I really don't want you to do this. Let me just, here's the disclaimer. But the disclaimer being said, if you really want to feel adventurous today when you leave here, back out of, not only back out of your parking space, 
back out the driveway, back out Airport Road, and see if you can navigate Airport Road only with the use of your rearview mirror. You say, Pastor, that's preposterous. It is preposterous. Don't do that, <laughs> okay? All I need is a call from Waterford Police Department saying, uh, Pastor, did you put these people up to this? Uh, I don't want that, okay? But the point is this. You've got a windshield that you look ahead to, to drive forward because that's the direction you're supposed to go, forward. Now, your rearview mirror serves a purpose, okay? But it's not nearly as important as that windshield, okay? We all understand the, the, the premise behind that way of thinking. The point is this. You can't do anything about what's behind you, but you can do something about what's in front of you. You can't change the mistakes of 2019, but you got something. Look, 2020 is a clean slate. It's a blank piece of paper. Mark it well. Because uh, God wants you to live for him in 2020. God wants you to see Jesus. Uh, hey, if it's, if it's face to face, I shall behold him in 2020. If he comes in the clouds to gather us, like the, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if we hear the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel and the shout and all of that, and, we, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, if that happens in 2020, praise the Lord, so be it. By the way, you better make sure you're in that group that's going up, amen? Make sure you're with the caught away crowd right there. But if not, if we don't see him face to face, let's see him spiritually this year. Let's make sure he's the focus of our vision this year. Let's make sure that Jesus is at the, at the centerpiece of our lives this year. Hey, if you make Jesus the, the hub or the, the, the centerpiece of your life, the circumference will take care of itself, my friend. The hey, what happens is we get out of focus. We get out of uh, we get our vision all messed up. We get our we, we get our view. We, we, maybe we do spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. Maybe maybe we do spend too much time bemoaning the faults and the failures of yesterday and yesteryear to the point where the devil takes our past and he beats us up with it day after day after day after day. Hey, let's understand that God wants us to go forward in twenty twenty. Sirs, we would see Jesus. In this story, I see uh, several people or groups of people. You see the seekers, those Greeks who came there looking for Christ. And by the way, there's a lot of people out there this morning that are looking for Jesus. I see the skeptics, those who are always uh, maybe trying to throw a curveball or be a stumbling block in the path of those who would be seeking the Savior. I see the Savior himself, and then I see the servants of the Savior. And you're, you're either one who is a seeker, one who is a skeptic, or one who is a servant trying to point people to Christ in 2020. And this morning, I want to share with you some thoughts about these men who had a great desire to see the Son of God. They were driven in their desire to be in his presence. And I wonder how different our lives would be if Christ, if Jesus indeed became the focal point of our living. We get so easily sidetracked with things that don't matter one second after we have breathed our last breath on this earth. We do. I'm guilty of it and you're guilty of it. Let's just be honest about it this morning. We all get sidetracked with things, cares of this life, 
And, and I'm not saying they're not important in relationship to this life, but what we need to remember is simply this. This life is merely a warm-up for the next life. That's all it is. Bible talks about Psalm chapter 90. We preach from that passage on, on Wednesday night. We spend our years as a tale that is told, and, and uh, God may give us 70 years. And if by reason of strength, uh, God may give some 80 years, some less, some more. People are living into their 90s pretty regularly uh, these days. And, but no matter how long a time span you spend on this earth, it's still, the Bible says, a vapor. It's here for a little while, and then it vanishes away. And somehow, some way, we've got to focus our attention on Jesus. And we, when we focus our attention on Jesus, then we, our, our actions are spent on that which is eternal and not temporary. Let me give you several things this morning in the few moments that we have together. Number one, if we would see Jesus, we would shun our folly. If we would see Jesus in 2020, we would shun our folly. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? First of all, <clears throat> uh, folly is something that is uh, it's frivolous. It's vain. It's empty. It's of no value. It's of no eternal value. And, uh, and if we would see Jesus, then our vision uh, would, would quickly change to what is eternal and away from that which is temporal. First of all, the folly of our sin. The folly of our sin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, the Bible tells us this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hey, my Bible teaches me that because I'm saved, that there should be a change. Oh yeah, there's a change that happens on the inside. The moment that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became a new creature in Christ, the Bible says. There was, there was the divine nature of Jesus Christ born in your body. The presence of the Holy Spirit came to live inside of your body. You're his temple now, the Bible says. And there was a change. You may not have felt it. You may not, be, you may not have been fully aware of it at the moment that it happened. But I'm telling you, based on the authority of the word of God, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. By the way, if you're new on the inside at some point, that brand new should be working its way to the outside. The new creature in Christ ought to reveal itself in our behavior and in our appearance and in our attitude and in our love for each other and our compassion and our desire to live right and righteous and holy lives. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. You'll never, you'll, you'll never accomplish that on this side of eternity because you have an old nature that strives with your new nature. You have that old flesh and that old flesh rears its ugly head not just every day but Many times every day, okay? And we understand that. But there's that new creature. There's that, there's that new man. And when you received Christ, something happened on the inside of you, and you received that, those new desires and that new want to. But so many Christians so, get so enamored by the world, so enamored by the things of the world, the devil and the world uh, package uh, sin to look so appealing. You see the ads on television, you see the billboards, you see, look, we're inundated in our culture with the filth of this world, but hey, we're in the world as a child of God, you're not of the world. And the only way that you're going to rise above the filth of this old sin-cursed world in 2020 is to keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on Christ. Keep your focus on, on uh, uh, having the mind of Christ. 
Again, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, often uh, in a staff meeting or in my own private prayer time, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you give us the mind of Christ? God, give us the mind of Christ. Help me to think like he thinks. Help me to act like he acts and walk like he walks. You say, preacher, you're never going to attain that. You're right, I never will on this side of eternity. But boy, what a great, what a great pursuit. What a great pursuit. And Jesus should be the focal point of our lives. And if, if that's the case, we would shun our folly. Shun our folly. Hey, what is that besetting sin that you struggle with in 2019? What is it? Now, you don't, please don't answer out loud now. Uh, what is it that you struggle with last year? What is it, by the way, <clears throat> the answer, hey, you can turn over every new leaf you want to turn over. Make every New Year resolution you want to make. But hey, Paul said it best. He said, for to me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, for the child of God, it's not about you having the willpower to make changes in your life in, in 2020. And that, that's all fine and good. I'm not against New Year resolutions at all. But I am saying for the child of God, we've got the added advantage of having the Holy Spirit of God living in us to help us with those things. Man, what a great thing. But we've got to keep our focus right. We've got to keep our focus on he who is invisible. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus and, uh, and his work in us. Before you're swept away with the enticements of this world in 2020, may I encourage you to see Jesus. Hey, see what he's done for you. Think about how good he's been to you. See him on Calvary. In that passage, I mentioned the context of John chapter 12. Jesus is just a few hours, just a few days from going to Calvary. In just a little while, he's going to, uh, he's going to endure the, uh, uh, the interrogation at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests. In just a few hours, he's going to be spat upon. In just a few hours, he's going to be beaten and mocked. In just a few hours, he's going to be scourged with that Roman cat of nine tails. In just a few hours, he's going to stand before Pilate. In just a few hours, he's going to bear the load of that cross. In just a few hours, he's going to go to Calvary. In just a few hours, he's going to have nails uh, 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 cruelly pounded into his hands and his feet. And the crown of thorns is going to be beaten into his scalp. And he's going to bear the sins of the whole world. And may I say this morning, don't forget, that includes me and you. Don't ever wander too far away from the foot of the cross. No matter what you do in 2020... No matter what 2020 holds for your life this year, don't ever stray too far away from Calvary. Don't ever get too far away from the cross and remembering what Jesus did for you. He bled and died, not just for the sins of the whole world, but he did it for me. He did it for me. See him on Calvary. That was my sin debt. That was your sin debt that he carried. I love it. <clears throat> My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the folly of sin, I resign. Let me ask you a question. After all that Jesus did for you, what sin is worth you hanging on to this year? I mean, after everything that Jesus went through on Calvary, what little pet sin... Is more important to me than submitting to someone who did all of that on my behalf. Can I help us? There ain't no sin that's worth that. There is none. 
I, again, I'm not saying that we can somehow reach some kind of utopian, sinless, perfection state. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying, what is it? What is it that you have put a fence around in your life and you've told God Almighty, that's off limits for you because I'm going to do what I want to do. That doesn't, that doesn't ring true, does it? The folly of our sin. Not only that, the folly of our selfishness. The folly of our selfishness. We tend to be self-centered people, don't we? Until we consider the Savior. You know, when Jesus becomes the focus of our life, when we would see Jesus, guess what? Our eyes are taken off of ourselves and we're given a new perspective. The Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and was made in the likeness of men. And it goes on to say that he humbled himself and became a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hey, the whole mindset, when I look at Jesus, when he becomes the focal point of my life, guess what? I lose that selfish edge that I have, that we all have. Let's face it, we're all interested in looking out for number one. It's human nature. It's who we are. Well, guess what? I'm not supposed to live the natural life. I'm supposed to live the supernatural life. Hey, I'm not to live the carnal life, the flesh-driven life, the old man life. I'm to live a life that's pleasing to God. And when my focus is on Christ, when my focus is on who he is and what he's done, guess what? I'll shun the folly of sin, but I'll also shun the folly of my selfishness. I see number two, if we would see Jesus, we would sharpen our focus. If we would see Jesus, we would sharpen our focus. Our perspective about life sometimes gets very warped, doesn't it? We get so caught up with the temporary, caught up with personalities, caught up with pleasing people, caught up with personal agendas. But in 2020, if we would see Jesus, if we would have that 2020 vision of the Savior, if you will, we would have his perspective. Let me illustrate. Do we ever stop to think about how God sees our life? You ever stop to think about what, what does, how does God view what I'm doing right now? How does God view my problems? By the way, it's a comforting thought to me to know that there's a God in heaven who knows exactly what every single individual in this room this morning, he knows exactly what you're going through. You may, you may not have told one ounce of information about your personal struggles to anybody in the world, but there's a God in heaven who knows about it. I like that. And not only does he know about it, he cares about it. He's concerned about it. It's on his radar this morning. But have you ever stopped to think about how God views your life this morning? How God views your troubles? How God views your medical condition? How God views the fact that you just lost a loved one? How God views your hardships? I think about Jesus in John chapter 11, just the, the, the chapter previous to this. And the compassion of our Savior for the souls of men and for the plight of his friends as he went to Bethany and he got there four days after hearing that Lazarus had died and he got there and, and uh, Martha chided the Savior. I believe it was Martha, if it's not her, it was Mary. Uh, one of them chided the Savior and said, Jesus, if you had been here, my, father, my brother had not died. And then that famous verse that we all can quote, 
John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. He wept. Was he weeping for his own hurt? No, look, was he weeping for Lazarus? No, he wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He knew Lazarus would get ready to get up out of that grave. He knew Lazarus was going to talk to him in just a few minutes. He was weeping because those that loved Lazarus were hurting. That's the perspective of the Son of God on your hurts this morning. God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows, he knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And beyond that, He cares more than anybody else can. Someone said, wisdom is the ability to see life from God's point of view. And as I read this book, I get a glimpse into God's opinion about a lot of things. And wisdom comes as we submit our way of thinking to God's way of thinking. Have you stopped to consider? Have we sharpened our focus uh, as, far as, as far as getting our thinking in line with His? Hey, we would if we would see Jesus. If Jesus was our priority, if Jesus was preeminent in our lives as He should be, guess what? We would submit our thinking to coincide with how God thinks. i got to hurry. I made a New Year resolution to get you out on time, and I'm not doing so good right now. We said, we said, number one, if we would see Jesus, we would shun our folly. We said, number two, if we would see Jesus, we would sharpen our focus. Number three, I want you to see this. If we would see Jesus, we would seek his followers. If we would see Jesus, we would seek his followers. Look back with me, if you will, John chapter 12 and, uh, and verse, uh, well, let's see, verse number, uh, verse number 21. The same came, therefore, to Philip which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, why did these people seek out Philip? That's simple. Philip was a follower. Philip was in close proximity to Christ. By the way, can I give you a word of encouragement this morning? In 2020, here's some good advice. And if I ever give you good advice again, I'll tell you. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> Get close to, to somebody in 2020 who's close to God. Get close to somebody who's close to the Lord. As you choose your friends, by the way, whether you're 13 or 93, it doesn't matter. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. Hey, run with somebody. Get close to somebody who's close to Jesus. That's good advice for a new year. And here these Greeks come, and uh, they want to speak to Jesus, and so they notice there's some, there's some other fellows who are hanging around them. There's, there's Philip, and there's Andrew, and there's Peter, and there's, and there's uh, Simon the Canaanite, and there's uh, James the son of Alphaeus, and there's John, and, and so on down the line it goes. And, and so they go to Philip, and they said, Hey, sir, we would see Jesus. We know we, we see you have an inroad with him. It's <laughs> good advice. Jesus went on to say in verse... Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Philip, on the other hand, was, he was more than willing to help them see Jesus. Let's be somebody who guides people to Christ in 2020. Why don't, we be, why don't we be like Philip, who was very accommodating when these Greeks came and said, hey, sir, we will see Jesus. Philip said, well, come with me. I'll take you to him. Hey, I'll, I'll show you to him. I'll help you get to know him. I'll introduce you to him. Hey, that's us. In 2020, what greater calling could you and I have but be people who would help Jesus facilitate people getting to the Savior? Boy, what a wonderful thing. Hey, that's what our church is all about. 
Our church is all about helping people bridge that gap from where they are to Jesus to get the word to them. Hey, our church has never saved anybody. You know, Lake Crest Baptist Church has never taken one person to heaven, but we sure share, we share the gospel with a heap of folks. Hey, we pointed the way to thousands, tens of thousands, and there's yet tens and hundreds of thousands and millions of people out there more who need to see the way to Jesus. And may we be the kind of people who point people to the Savior, who share the gospel with them, who invite them to church. This, Hey, there's somebody you can reach in 2020. You ever think about that? Who out there in Oakland County, Michigan, or wherever it is that you live, who out there is seeking Jesus and you're the vehicle that will introduce them to the Savior? Who is it? Is it a co-worker? Is it a friend? Is it a neighbor? Is it a loved one? Is it an acquaintance? Is it somebody that you perhaps haven't yet even met? Hey, I don't know who it is, but I'll promise you they're out there. And may you and I take on the position of Philip this year to say, hey, let me help you see Jesus. Let me introduce you to Christ. Jesus said it later on in verse number 32. We read it a few moments ago. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, the people standing there listening to Jesus say that, they didn't understand what he meant. Jesus, the Bible, in fact, the Bible goes on to talk about it. He was signifying the death that he was about to die. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto myself. He was talking about his own crucifixion. It didn't compute with some of those folks who heard him say that. But looking back, we understand that. You understand, the world needs to know that Jesus died on the cross. The world needs to know that there is a Savior. The world needs to know that there's hope. The world needs to know that God loves them. The world needs to know that there's a payment available for their sins. Hey, the world needs to know it, and there needs to be a group full of Phillips in this room who say, let me point you to Jesus. Let me help you. Let me help you. Lift him up, soul winner. Lift him up, Sunday school teacher. Lift him up, nursery worker. Lift him up, bus worker, choir member, singer, preacher, staff member. Hey, it doesn't matter what your title is or if you don't have a title. Hey, all our title is as, as Christians is to be facilitators of those who would see Jesus. And then let me share with you one final thought this morning. I said, first of all, if we would see Jesus, we would shun our folly. If we would see Jesus... We would sharpen our focus. If we would see Jesus, we would seek his followers. And then finally, if we would see Jesus, we would secure his forgiveness. We would secure his forgiveness. These Greeks mentioned here in verse number 20 realize that their greatest need could only be met in the person of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? These Greeks, they realized that their greatest need, the greatest need that they had, was not a physical need it was a spiritual need they said sir we would see jesus now how much did they know spiritually speaking how much were they aware of as far as who jesus was the bible's not very clear in it but they knew they had to see jesus and let me share with you this morning in the heart of every human being, there is a void that only can be filled through a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can try to fill it with alcohol, but that won't work. 
You can try to fill it with pleasure, but that won't satisfy. You can try to fill it with drugs, but that won't do it. You can try loose and immoral lifestyle, but that'll leave you uh, empty and, and void. You can try everything under the sun, but until you simply come to Christ for salvation, that void will never be filled, my friend. Not going to happen until you see Jesus. Come to Christ this morning. The Bible says our sins have separated us from God. Our sins have brought us under the condemnation of God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Look, you can try to sweep your sin under the rug by excusing it. You can try to pile on good works and, and hope that the good will outweigh the bad, but that won't work, my friend. You can join every church in Oakland County thinking that God will cause, uh, God will, be, uh, uh, will choose to overlook your sin. You can participate in the sacraments and the rituals of every denomination known to man but your sin will still remain until you come to Jesus he's the only one who can take care of your sin debt he's the only place you're going to find forgiveness he's the only place you're going to find a fresh start he's the only place you're going to find eternal life he's the only place you're going to find freedom from the bondage that, that is sin in your life you can try to bring your sin to every priest, parson, and preacher in town and confess them in an attempt to have them absolved, but to no avail, it won't work. You've got to come to Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, all of us were born with a sin problem. And there's nothing we can do to atone for our own sins. Nothing. Not one thing. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth it shall die. And at some point, every man, woman, teenager, boy, girl must face his or her sin problem. Now, the Bible says you have two options. You can pay your sin debt all by yourself. You said, I think I'll choose that. Before you choose that, let me explain. If you choose to pay your own sin debt, it'll take you eternity in a place called hell. That's the payment for your sin. That's the payment for your sin. You say, preacher, I'm not interested in that. Your only other option, and mind you, your only other option, is to allow someone who is perfect and sinless and holy and just and righteous to pay your sin debt for you. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. There's nobody like that. Ah, oh, there's only one. And his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Christ. So your, your choices are this. You can pay your sin debt all by yourself by doing so for eternity in a lake of fire, or you can look to Jesus. You can look to Christ. How about it this morning? Would you see him? Would you see him? two groups of people in the room this morning and I'm done <clears throat> those who are saved and those who are not those who are on their way to heaven and those who are on their way to hell you say pastor I don't like that that's, uh, that's pretty narrow minded stuff yeah it is it's also bible it's the word of God the word of God it's either Jesus or it's hell it's Jesus or it's eternal damnation it's Jesus or or it's eternal separation from God and lake of fire. Those are our options this morning. I encourage you. Why don't you have the wisdom of these Greeks who came to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a few moments? We're just about done, and in just a few moments,